0: what is beatitudes jesus says blessed happy flourishing are the pure in heart for they will see god but what does it mean to see god when god doesn't have a body maybe you're not sure that you want to see god might be kind of like seeing a police car when you're on the highway Or maybe you want it more than you want anything else. Greatest teacher who ever lived said that what's insurmountable and not your problems, it's the presence of God and His love in your life, so you can make this a golden rule day. Then he makes this remarkable statement, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, we've been watching with the Beatitudes. They are not things we have to do to try to earn our way into God's kingdom. They are the announcement that the good life is available to anybody, including people that thought that they were way outside of it. And today we look at this particular one, the pure in heart. The word pure in our day is largely a lost word. It sounds kind of prudish, like it's just restricted to sexuality. But that's not the case. It's a wonderful word. It's a great concept that we actually all want. I wrote a book called Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. Dallas Wood, among others, have talked about the heart and the will are closely connected in the ancient world. And our great problem for most of us is we have divided wills. I don't want to be in great shape, but I want to eat these Twinkies. And I want to learn, but I like to just veg out and watch TV. Augustine said, God make me chaste, but not yet. And, and as long as... Um, I'm living with a divided will. It's like I'm hitting the gas pedal and the brakes at the same time. So to have an undivided will to want one thing, and particularly to want what is good, because if I want something but it's not good, I'm still going to be kind of divided inside. To want one thing and to have it be good, um, that is the good life, to have an undivided will. And Jesus says that what awaits that person in the kingdom is to be able to see God. And that's not primarily a physical vision, and it's not something that we have to wait for till after we die. At the end of the book of Job, Eleanor Stump writes wonderfully about this, her book Wandering in Darkness. Job has been protesting and thundering, and then God comes to him, and he doesn't just ask him difficult questions. He asks him questions that point to how good God is, and how great God's project is, and how gratuitously generous God is to all kind of creatures, to ostriches that can't even remember where they laid the egg, to the Leviathan that nobody will ever be able to tame or even see. And Job gets second-person knowledge. He looks into God's face and sees God's goodness. And his comment on this was, uh, Before my ears had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. And the idea here is not that I've seen a physical object. It is now I know directly how good God is. And that answers all my questions. That tells me that life is good and that my life is good, even in the midst of my problems. So to see God, that's everything. And I'll tell you about a little secret weapon. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, but this is a book called The Practice of the Presence. I've been looking forward to telling you about this. I am going through this book As I go through the Sermon on the Mount, and as you might know, it was written by a man who came to be known as Brother Lawrence, but that's not his first name. I want to tell you some of his story, and you might want to use this very simple part of practicing the presence. It's a way to see God in your life, and you might think of looking for God when Nancy and I come home, when it's dark at night, we go up the long street to where we're living here at the Cabana. We will look for crepuscular answers, if uh, animals, if it's twilight, or nocturnal answers, if it's night. It's always fun to see a possum or a skunk or something. But we don't just look for God. We look to God in our hearts and in our spirits. And And this man, Nicholas Herman, Brother Lawrence, was kind of a genius at this. You might think that he was born a genius being able to practice the presence of God, but you would be wrong. Um, Carmen Butcher has done a new translation of this book, and she writes, uh, to do the practice of the prayer presence, sometimes called the methodless method. It, It can be done by anybody for a micro moment of rest with love. We can say whatever's on our mind, ask for love, share worry, be mad, give thanks, feel wonder, ask for help, or just be. There's no scorecard on how many times a day we do it. No grade of A, B, C, D. Isn't good news? This ordinary practice brings friendship with kindness, joy, and self-compassion. This practice is also an exciting daily spiritual experience. I had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen. Now, you might think that Brother Lawrence is the kind of guy that was just always good at this sort of thing, just kind of genetically pre-wired for prayer and contact with God. Not like you, an ordinary person. No, 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 no. He grew up uh, in France, actually a section that was hardly even a part of France, during the Thirty Years' War. uh, Initially, he became a soldier. He was badly wounded. He lived with a limp and pain almost all of his life. And there were horrors in the war. He would ask God for forgiveness. We don't know later on. Is it what he did to somebody else or what was done to him? But being a soldier didn't work out for him. He became a hermit and flunked out at being a hermit. He became a footman and flunked out of being a footman. And eventually he ended up going into a monastic community. He worked in the kitchen for uh, many, many years, and he hated working in the kitchen. So uh, this is some of his story. This is part of what uh, Barbara writes in her translation. What drew me to Brother Lawrence is how really is. He developed this practice from his own experience, a practice he needed for his own healing. And this translation honors and shares his personal wisdom. A disabled veteran living with a leg injury, a former prisoner of war, raised in poverty, was a peasant, lacking a traditional education. A Parisian with a tyrant for a king. Louis XIV, you might have heard the sun god, I am the state. But it's interesting, not many people today read Louis XIV for guidance in their lives. Millions now for many centuries have read this person who died in obscurity and poverty. Nothing that he said was written down till after he died. He was not a famous author. A self-described clumsy oaf. Um, a survivor of religious wars, a sufferer of anxiety, a man often in physical agony from war injuries. One of the u- words that he uses to describe himself was gross, large, brutish, ugly, unwanted, clumsy. He says he was a clumsy oaf who broke everything. And that idea of brokenness was not just extended to physical objects. He was deeply anxious about his own life, a deeply broken person. You may have read when he was quite young, he had a very powerful vision when he looked at a tree of the goodness of God in the world and how God is present in and cares for everything. You can have that moment when you look at a tree. But if you think that from that moment on, his life was just one of uninterrupted bliss together with God, no, 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 not at all a man often in physical agony from war injuries a cook and a sandal repairer this lay brother regularly stopped work headed to the communal prayers limping there with red still welted dishpan hands his exceptional calm and responses to life hardships make this unassuming fire and accessible and humanizing mentor of this time-tested practice of the presence prayer And Carmen goes on to write about how this resonated with her, because I knew from my own experience of practicing it for decades in response to childhood trauma, before I even knew what presence was or what praying was. Alongside graying cows and soaring red-tailed hawks, I experienced the way nature holds and teaches an injured soul and understood that this power of the presence was somehow within. Now, how does he describe this? So, um, uh, in, in his maxims on practicing the presence, this is what he says. The most sacred, most ordinary, most necessary practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. When we practice this presence, we enjoy. Do you enjoy God? Do you know God wants you to enjoy him? and become familiar with God's divine company, speaking humbly, and looking to them, she refers to God as them just as a reminder of the Trinitarian Fellowship, Father, Son, and Spirit, and looking to them lovingly for support all the time, at every moment, without methods or limits, especially during times of temptation, pain, loneliness, exhaustion, disbelief, and stumbling. Those are not barriers to practicing the presence. They are invitations. It is simple like this. I have a little friend, just a little over a year old. And if you say to her, I love you, she will say, Abu Da," And to anybody that she knows and loves, that means, I love you. It's not articulate. You don't have to be articulate. It's not about being articulate. It is a movement of the heart. It can happen in any moment. It doesn't matter how you feel. So today, this is your day to practice the presence. Don't keep score. Don't give yourself A, B, C, D. Just in any micro moment, when you're struggling, when you have disbelief, when you see a tree, when you're not sure what to do. In this moment, when I'm looking into a camera and I think about so many of you, some of you that I don't know, some of you that I know and love deeply, some of you who have suffered so deeply yourselves. Abu Dhabi. I love you, God's right here. We get to see, we get to know, we get to practice the presence in the presence, as our friend Roger says, make it a golden rule day.
1: You've been listening to Become New with John Orper, where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, becomenew.com, where John has over 710-minute teachings on the person you're becoming, cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at becomenew.com/slash subscribe. Lastly, if you have a prayer request. There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. I'm glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.